Praise the Lord, saints. Oh, praise the Lord. The Bible says in Psalms 118 and 24, the Bible says that this is the day that the Lord has made. The Bible says we will rejoice and be glad in it. The Bible didn't say I. It said we will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, come on and give the Lord some praise tonight. Come on and give the God some praise. Give him some worship tonight. The Bible says in 104 Psalms, in book 100 and verse 4, it says enter into his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and praise the Lord. The Bible says in the book of Psalms 34 and 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. At all times mean all times. His praise, his praise shall continuously be in my mouth. Even when I'm on the mountaintop, I'm going to bless the Lord. When I'm down in the valley, when things are not going right, I got a made up mind. I got a made up heart. I'm going to bless the Lord. I got a made up mind. He's God alone. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. I want to leave this with you from the pastor. It says, hello. Hello, saints. This is on behalf of the pastor and sister Rance. Now, they didn't tell me to say this, but I know that they approve of this. <laughs> I'm moving in faith tonight. Hello, saints. Welcome to Flight 2020 here at True Vine Pentecostal Church. We have already taken off for the New Year's, but for those of you that haven't, please make sure your attitude and blessings are secured and locked down in an upright position. All self-destructive devices should be turned off at this time. All negativity, hurt, and discouragement should be put away. Should we lose attitude under pressure during the flight, reach up and pull down a prayer prayers will automatically be activated by faith. Once your faith is activated, you can assist other passengers. There will be no baggage on this flight, allowed on this flight. The captain is God, and our co-captains are Pastor and Sister Durant. They have already cleared us for takeoff and landing. Destination is greatness. Book your flight. And if we haven't already said it, we say it again. Happy New Year to all on behalf of your pastor and his family and the ministry team. Thank you for choosing True Vine tonight. Come on, let's give God a round of applause. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You could remain standing for the word tonight. Now I'm normally charged up. And I'm normally like to hit it hard. But God has kind of calmed me down. So don't go to sleep on me tonight. I'm going to be mainly teaching tonight. Don't go to sleep on me. I have to yell then. I might have to start preaching. Coming from the book of Exodus, 13 chapter, verse 21 and 22. From the book of Exodus, 13 chapter, verse 21 and 22. Say amen when you're there. Amen. And the word of the Lord reads as so. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of a cloud to lead them the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light to go by day and night. He took not away the pillar of cloud by day, not a pillar of fire by night from before the people. If I could, if I could phrase this tonight or put a subject to this tonight, the Lord has put it on my heart to title this walk in the light. If you would bow your heads with me, please. Father God, I pray, Lord, that you would remove every distraction. I pray, God, that you would open every heart, and Lord, and help us to receive your word. Help us to be sensitive to your Holy Spirit tonight, God. Let there be application, Lord, in your word. Not us only let us be hearers, but let us be doers in your words tonight, God. Lord, I pray, let there be a spiritual inheritance tonight, God. From, Lord, heaven into our hearts, and Lord, into our actions tonight, God. We ask and we thank you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. Let everyone say amen. You may be seated. Here we find, you all know the story. But as I was praying, you see, we always try to, before we come up and take the pulpit, we always try to pray 
And we always try to fast and we always try to get in touch with God before we take this pill pill because it does you no justice if you're going to hear from our flesh. And so while I was praying, I felt like God had put this on my heart about the children of Israel. I felt like God had given me this message. And so now tonight, I felt like God titled it Walk in the Spirit. And the reason why, because you see the children of Israel, you understand they had been in slavery for 400 years. And while they were in slavery, they were under their taskmasters. And while they were under their taskmasters, they began to grow weary at times. You see, think about it, church. 400 years is a long time. And sometimes we get angry. Sometimes we get upset when we have to even wait like two or three months on the Lord. And as they begin to wait on the Lord, God gave them a pillar of cloud by day to follow out of Egypt. And that pillar of cloud, they were to follow it by day and by night. They were to follow the pillar of fire. And this was to lead them out of the land of Egypt and where they had been slaves. You see, they had to follow this physical light. But understand something, church. They had to follow this physical light, but also they had to follow an eternal light. What I mean by that, they had to follow the light of obedience as well. They had to follow the light of trust as well. They had to follow the light of leaning on God as well. They had to follow that light of trusting in an almighty God. And you see, today, there's no physical light that you have to follow. But God has put an internal light inside of you called the Holy Spirit. And God demands you today that you follow that light. For those of you that have been born again, you have an internal light inside of you that will lead you, that will guide you, that will direct you. You have an internal light stored inside of you for life. And this light as they was exiting out of Egypt. God want me to remind you tonight, as they were exiting out of Egypt, there were some things that are parallel to us today. There were some things that God want to remind us today. As we parallel out of 2019 into 2020, God wants to remind us of some things of walking in the light. And as they begin to walk in the light, you see, God had... Loose them from the hands of Pharaoh. And you see, Pharaoh, he had angered God. He had angered God. And when Pharaoh had angered God, you see, because they were serving idol gods. They were worshiping idol gods. And they were worshiping not only those countries, but other countries as well. They were, they were worshiping idol gods, folks. And I'll tell you tonight, if you want to make God angry, then worship the idol god. Because the first commandment is, that's your love. The, uh, the first commandment is this right here. I'm the Lord, thy God, who brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of abundance. Thou shalt have. No other gods before me. So you see, they were down there in Egypt. They were acting a fool. Sometimes you hear the old folks say, boy, you better sit down. He's over there cutting up. He's over there acting a fool. He need to sit down. He need a whipping. So I remember some of the words of the old folks. It reminded me of, of, of Pharaoh. It reminded me of Egypt, how they were serving false and idol gods and how he had angered the Lord. And the Lord wanted to prove to the entire world. He wanted to show the whole world that he is God alone. And so in this journey, God decided to harden Pharaoh's heart to show the world that he is God. And when he had hardened Pharaoh's heart, Pharaoh decided to let the people go. And when he let the people go, they came to a body of water. They came to a body of water called the Red Sea. And when they had come to the Red Sea, that's when Pharaoh had gathered up his army of 600 chariots. And they begin to pursue them. Now I'm going to pause right here for a few seconds because I hate to tell you this, but I have to tell you this in 2020. As the enemy begin to pursue them, understand something. Satan is going to pursue you in 2020. Satan is going to pursue your family. Satan is going to pursue your marriage. Satan is going to pursue your children. Satan is going to pursue the church. Satan is going to pursue you on your job. Satan is going to pursue your finances. I came to tell you that Satan is going to pursue you in 2020. Nothing changes. God told me to parallel this with the children of Israel to let you know that Satan is going to pursue you. 
But we got a resolution. We got a fix. We got a solution for that. And the solution is, I want you to watch this now. I want you to watch this. I like this. As they were led by a pillar of fire by day, and as Pharaoh began to pursue them, God told Moses to move forward. And we just sung that song, God, God can make a way out of no way. And as he began to lift up his hand, we know that there was a strong east wind that blew all night. And God began to open up the Red Sea. And there was walls on each side of the Red Sea. Can you just imagine? There was a miracle in the making for those that follow God. There's a miracle in the making. Those that walk in the light, there's a miracle in the making. And as they begin to walk through, they begin to walk through on dry land. Now watch this. The pillar of fire that they were led by daytime, God had that angel to go in the back of the formation. And that angel, angel went in the back to the rear of the formation. And when that angel went to the rear of the formation, it gave light to the Israelites, but it gave darkness to Pharaoh and his chariots. And let me just say this right here. God was protecting them. Children, don't you know that when you walk in the light, don't you know that when you walk in the light, there's an old song that we used to sing. It's a beautiful light. Come where the dew drops of mercy do shine. Shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus is the light of the world. Don't you know it's a beautiful light that when you walk in the light of God, and don't you know that God will protect you? God went behind him, and just as Pastor said, he's been on this scripture all day. He's been on this scripture all week, the pastor. He began to speak Isaiah 54 and 17. He began to speak that no weapon. Form against me shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord of God, and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Do you understand? When you walk in the light, the pastor said this. He just said it last Sunday. Don't you know when you walk in the light that God will protect you? The Bible says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. Then it goes on to say, this is the heritage of the service of the Lord. Don't you know that this is your heritage? Don't you know that this is your inheritance? Don't you know you ought to go get your inheritance? You see, I kind of laugh. I kind of laugh at people because, you know, when there's a funeral, even in my own family, You'll see people, and they always gathering around wondering, like vultures, what are they going to get? And I kind of laugh because the ones that thought they going to get something, they don't get nothing. And the ones that wasn't expecting nothing, they get something. And so they're like vultures. And then the, the, the people gather around for the reading of the will. They want to know what's their inheritance. And even some of the people, even they fight over their inheritance. And I say to myself, the Bible says this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. So if that's our heritage, why can't we fight over our heritage? Why can't we fight over our family members? Why can't we fight? Why can't we fight over our heritage that God has given us? We fight over materialistic things. We fight over things that have no value. Why can't we fight for souls? Why can't we fight for those things? This is the heritage, the Bible says, of the servants of the Lord. And don't you know that when God put a spiritual protection around you, just like Job, don't you know the devil can't touch you? MC Hammer didn't come out with can't touch me. God then said you can't touch this. Because God told this devil, the devil had to ask for permission. The devil had to ask for permission. Could he touch Job? Don't you know that when you walk in the light, that the devil has to ask for permission? Can he touch you? Can't touch this. You can't touch me, devil. You can't touch me. I'm going to walk in the boldness of the spirit. You can't touch me. I'm going to speak it out loud. I'm going to speak it in your face. You can't touch me. I ain't cocky. I'm just speaking what God gave me. I'm just standing on his promises. I'm just standing on his word. And as they begin to walk in the light, and as they begin to push through, understand something, folks. They were supposed to have been in the wilderness for three days. 
Now, while they're in the wilderness, I don't know what your wilderness is tonight, but only you know that. But while they're in the wilderness, I do know this. If you walk in the light, God's going to see you through. You see, in the wilderness, they didn't have no food. God provided them manna from heaven. In the wilderness, they didn't have no water. God provided them water. God provided them everything that they need in the wilderness. And they begin to murmur and talk back. And when it should have been said, when it should have been said, Psalms 1 and 21, I will lift up my heads into the hills, and from one comes my help. My help coming from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He will keep that he will not slumber. That's what they should have been saying. That's what they should have been saying. Church, God don't like it when we murmur. I understand some when we're going through the wilderness. We don't need to be murmuring. We don't need to be talking about the man of God when we're going through some things. And as they begin to go through the wilderness, one other thing that there was a highlight that highlighted in my mind was that when it was time for them to move and take over the land of Canaan. Now, God sent 12 spies out from each tribe. You know the story, leaders of their tribe. And when he sent them out, watch this. When God sent them out, the Bible says that they went out to spy the land to see if the land was good, to see if the land was bad. And they found out that the land was good. It was flowing with milk and honey. But the thing was, it also had giants. It also had fenced cities that scared them. And when the spies came back, it was 10 spies that came back to give an evil report. Now, watch this. I don't understand something. If God gave me the land... In my sense, in my common sense, why do I need to go out and spy the land? Why do I need to? If I believe that God gave me the land, it doesn't make a difference. So why did they have to go out and spy the land? Not only sometimes we don't understand God's, his ways are higher than our ways. Sometimes we don't understand when he tells us to do something, but we just need to be obedient. But the reason, let me tell you something. God had heard them murmuring. And talking back, and it displeased him. And Moses had to always pray for them. And when God told them to go spy out the land, watch this. He was letting them see where their faith was. You see, their faith was not planted in God like it should have been. They couldn't move any further. If God would have let them go further into the land and they would have seen giants, would they have turned around? Would they have come back, running back? But God let them see that there were giants in the land. And God let them see that their heart wasn't in the right place. I'm going to ask you tonight, what is your giant that you're facing? What is your giant tonight that God wants you to face? You see, in order to defeat the giant, you have to face the giant face to face. You got to face the giant with God. You can't turn your back. You can't walk away from the giant. You have to face this giant. And when they, faced the, they didn't face their giant, it angered God. And the Bible says, watch this, the Bible says that the men came back with an evil report. And I said to myself, well, God, they were telling the truth. They were giants. But why was it an evil report? Why, was it, why did God call it an evil report? Because when God gives you some church and you know that he's giving you something and you don't take it and you don't possess it, then it's, a, it's, it's going against the will of God and it's evil. You see, that's the evil report. What happens when you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you a, a bad report? Is that evil? Is that evil? He's telling you the truth from his profession. But what I'm trying to get to you tonight is this right here in your walk in 2020. Even though it's not an evil report that the doctor give you, the doctor can give you a bad report. It's only an evil report when God has given you to go ahead, when God has said, you know that you're here. You know that you know that you know without a shadow of a doubt that God has healed you. That's when it becomes an evil report, when you start to go against that. And that's what the children of Israel, they had already been given the land to go ahead and possess it, but they did not possess it. They did not take control of it. So it became an evil report. So when you go to the doctor, you ought to say this. When the doctor gives you a bad report, every good doctor should say, but. But, but God, every good doctor should say, you know what? I've seen situations where people have overcome. 
I've seen situations and circumstances where people have defeated. If you have your faith, your faith will be able to get you through. If you have your faith, then you can be able to call on the Lord that God. You see, Hezekiah, King Hezekiah was dying, and God told King Hezekiah to get his house in order. But King Hezekiah walked in the light. And when King Hezekiah walked in the light, God extended him 15 years. I'm talking to somebody tonight. God extended him 15 years because he walked in the light. And won't you know, when God tell you to get your house in order, who are you to talk and tell God, Lord, look what I've done. But King Hezekiah said, Lord, haven't I done all that you said? Haven't I walked in the light? And God didn't argue with him. God granted him 15 years. So every time you go to the doctor, and he gives you a bad report. Let me tell you something. It's not over. I want to tell you that it's not over. And every time if that doctor don't start lifting you up, right, then that's a bad, that's an evil report. If that doctor don't start telling you, but, but God, right, then you ought to finish the sentence for him. You ought to say, but God, I trust in my God. I walk with my God. I know my God. There's deliverance with my God. There's healing in my God. There's healing in my name of God. You ought to finish it for him. You ought to say, but God, when you walk in the light. And it finally came to an end for Moses. He saw the promised land, but he didn't get a chance to, to walk over into the promised land. And Joshua took the leadership role. And one thing that Joshua stands out in my mind, he said in Joshua 1 and 8, he said, This book of the law shall not depart out of my mouth. And then he said, But thou shalt meditate. Therein, day and night, that thou mayest doest, thou mayest observe to do according to what is written therein. And then he said, for then thou shalt prosper greatly. And then he went on to say, then I shall have great success. So what Joshua was saying, church, this is what God said to us. I need to slow it down. I wish I could, I wish I could preach it, but I need to slow it down. So you can get it. God says in 2020 that we need to take the word of God and we need to meditate on the word of God. In order to meditate on the word of God, that means we need to read the word of God. In order to meditate the word on the word of God, that means we need to study the word of God. In order to meditate on the word of God, that means that we need to get the word of God deep down inside our heart, deep down inside our mind, deep down inside our soul. Because whatever is inside of us will soon come out of us. Whatever is inside of our heart will come through our mouth and we begin to speak. And in your tongue, there's life and death in the power of the tongue. Whatever you speak. But when we speak the word of God, we speak life over situations. We speak life over circumstances. We speak life in the situations in Jesus' name. The Bible says the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder. In other words, it can pierce the soul. It can pierce the spirit. It's a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. That's how powerful the word of God is. And David, as David began to walk in the light, I begin to think about the patriarch David. I begin to think about the psalmist David as David began to walk in the light. David said, that word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. David began to speak and David began to memorize the word of God in his heart. And David began to write down the psalms. And David began to remember what all the Lord had done for him. And David walked with the Lord. And when David walked with the Lord, David began to say words like this here. I have been young, now I'm old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, now his seed begging bread. I came to tell somebody tonight that when you walk in the light, you will not be forsaken. That when you walk in the light, I've been young and I've been old, but yet have I not seen the righteousness forsaken, now his seed begging bread. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Mm. And David went on to speak. And David began to walk in the light. And through his experiences in life, he began to share them in the book of Psalms. And as David walked with the Lord, 
His walk grew deeper and his walk grew more serious in the Lord. And as David began to walk with the Lord, and when he even made a mistake, when he had slept with a married woman, Bathsheba, when he had slept with her, God sent him the prophet to tell him that he had done evil and that he needed to repent. And David began to repent. David began to realize. David began to brush himself off. David began to walk right with the Lord again. He began to walk in the light again. I'm singing to somebody tonight that if you're walking in condemnation, that if you're walking in condemnation tonight, I'm speaking to you tonight. Get up. Get up. Stop walling in the dirt. Get up and wipe yourself off. Get up and cleanse in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. David began to walk with the Lord to the end. And it got so good to David. Anybody ever been somewhere where things just got so good to you? Where the service got so good to you where you couldn't sit still? Where the word of God got so good where the singing? Don't we have an awesome choir? Sometimes the singing gets so good to me I can't sit down. I, most of the time I have to stand up and I have to shout. We have an awesome choir. We have an anointed choir. Sometimes I just can't sit down. I have to get up and I have to begin to pray. I believe that's how David walked was with the Lord. And when David came to the end and his walk with the Lord, he began to even speak about death. And David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. It got deep. It got deep. He says he restored my soul, meaning that my soul was out of whack. He says he restored my soul and leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. You see, David walked, got deep. It got deeper and deeper as he began to walk with the Lord. And then David began to say the words like this. Yeah, though, I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. And David began to say that in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, thou preparest a table for me. Thou anointest my head with oil. And he begins to say, my cup runneth over. He began to realize all his blessings. He was saying, my cup runneth over. And then he went on to say, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Because he began to walk in the light. He began to confirm what God was saying. He began to confirm what God was saying in the Old Testament. He said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'm trying to tell you that when the enemy comes against you, he has no power. When the enemy comes against you he has no power when the enemy come against you the bible says in 2020 surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life as i walk in the light as i walk in this beautiful light surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life i want to tell somebody i don't know what you're going through i don't know what you came here tonight i don't know what's on your mind i don't know what's on your heart but i do know this that if you keep walking in the light that everything is going to be all right everything is going to be all right in jesus name keep walking in the light in 2020 keep going keep walking in jesus name My alarm going off. So, so, so as you walk with in the light, I begin to think about Paul. And I know Paul was headed in the wrong direction and the light shone around him. And God told him what he must do. I begin to think about Paul when he walked in the light. Now watch this, what Paul said. When Paul was walking in the light, we go to verse Romans 8 and 35. When we go to Romans 8.35, he began to talk about things. And he said something like this when you're walking in the light. This is the type of mindset, church, that you have to have. He said, who shall separate us from the love of God? When you're walking in the light, who shall separate you from the love of God? Who shall separate you? Who shall, shall divide you? Who shall take away from you from walking in the light? And then he said, should it be tribulation? Could it be because I'm going through some things, I'm going through some trials, I'm going through some hard things that that should separate me from the love of Christ, from walking in the light? And then he went on to say, should it be the stress? Could it be because I'm stressed out on my job, I'm stressed out in my marriage, I'm stressed out in my finances, I'm stressed out everywhere. What shall separate or who shall separate us from the love of God? Then he said, because of persecution, because I'm being persecuted on my job for Christ because I'm being persecuted in different countries, because I love Christ. But he said, famine, 
Should it be because of famine? Should it be because there's no food in the land? Should it be because I'm naked? I have no food, no clothes. Should it be because I'm poor? Could it be because of a sword, because of a war? But what he was trying to imply, that nothing should separate us from the love of God in this walk with Christ. And he asked the question, who shall separate us? And then he went on to say, as it is written, as it is written, he said, we are killed all the day long. Then he went on to say, we are as sheep. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. All these things were going on in Paul's time where he was shipwrecked, where he was persecuted, where they wanted to take his life. And then he goes on to name those things while he was walking in the light. Who shall separate us from the love of God? And then there was a turning point in his life. There was a turning point. And when you're driving a vehicle, I thought about this. When everything is coming at you in life, and it seems like there's one thing after another, it seems like there's always something coming after you in life, and there's an uphill battle that you're always fighting. I thought about when you drive a car, an automatic vehicle. In order to make it up that hill, you have to what? You have to press the gas. You have to press on the gas a little bit harder. And then I thought about what if you were driving a stick shift or a manual vehicle where you have to shift the gears. When you're going uphill in a manual vehicle, if you don't downshift, if you don't downshift, that means while you're going uphill, that car is going to bog out. And you're not going to get to your destination where you need to be. Well, I want to tell somebody tonight that sometimes you have to shift. Sometimes you have to know when to shift because sometimes you're going into spiritual warfare and you don't even know that you're going into spiritual warfare. And any time that you're going into spiritual warfare, you're going to face multiple battles and uphill battles. And God is telling you that in a spiritual warfare, you need to learn how to shift. You need to learn how to downshift to your knees. You need to learn how to downshift to your knees. You need to learn how to pray. You need to learn how to keep fasting. You need to learn how to keep walking in the light. And you need to surround yourself with like-minded people. You have to downshift. You have to downshift, folks. If you don't downshift in your spiritual walk with Christ, then you're not going to make it. You got to downshift in your prayer. You got to downshift to your knees and fast. You got to downshift to your knees and pray. Because now you're in spiritual warfare. And when you're in spiritual warfare, when you're in spiritual warfare, understand this. The Bible says you heard it plenty of times, Ephesians 6 and 11. You heard it plenty of times. What is Ephesians 6 and 11? Anybody know? Say again. Say again. Ephesians 6 and 11 begin to talk about our weaponry. It begin to talk about us. It says put on the whole armor of God. You see, when you put on the whole armor of God, because now you have to shift. There's a shifting in everything. And see, a lot of Christians don't get this. A lot of Christians don't know what spiritual warfare is. Spiritual warfare can last a month, two months, three months. Spiritual warfare can last up to a year or some years. So you have to learn to shift. Now God is telling you in 2020, you're going to have to put on the whole armor of God. And when you put on the whole armor of God, it says this here. Put on the whole armor of God. Because the Bible says what? That we may be able to take a stance against the wiles of what? Of the devil. What are the wiles? The wiles are the crooked ways, the conniving ways of Satan, the slick and conning ways of the devil. That's what the Bible says. And then it says real quick, real quick. Can I borrow you for a minute, brother? Just wrestling. Say what? Wrestling. 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 Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my phone back? 
Let's rest and rest and rest. Now look right here. Thank you, brother. Y'all stay right here. The Bible says, and some of y'all mad at Uncle John and Sister Susie and all them and aunts and uncles and people. But God says, look a little further. Look a little deeper. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, mm -hmm. but against what? Principalities. Against powers. We're talking about evil stuff. Against rulers of darkness of this world. Spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what, thank you, brother. That's what the Bible says that we're wrestling against. So you can't go out in a spiritual battle and think you're going to win it physically. I, I want you to understand spiritual warfare. I want you to understand that you have to learn how to downshift and put on the spirit of God and walk in the spirit. So when you're walking in the spirit of God, the Bible is already telling that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And then it says again, put on the whole arm of God. Having your lawns girt about with what? With the truth. With righteousness. Around here, like a belt. In the old days, the men wore a tunic. It's like a, a dress. I look like a, a woman's dress for a man. <laughs> and it has, it has parts of it hanging, excess of it. So it was not made for war. It wasn't made for war. So when the men got ready to go to war, what they would do, they would lift up that tunic, and they would take the excess, and they would put it through their legs like that, like a pampers. And then it would come out this way in, and they would tie it up. And that's when it's girt about their loins. That's what they did. And then they were ready for battle. That's what that means. And then it goes on to say, now we're talking about spiritual warfare. I want you to remember this, right? And then it says, put on what? The breastplate of what? That breastplate guard the what? It guards the heart. Folks, guard your heart. We get so inundated with things of the world and people of the world and stuff. If we don't guard our heart, then we can become contaminated. Anybody have a, had a, have ever had a, a, a computer and it caught a virus? When it caught a virus, you couldn't do anything? When your computer, when your software inside your brain become contaminated, you ain't going nowhere. You ain't doing nothing and stuff. And so you can't allow your heart to get contaminated. You can't allow your heart and your mind to get contaminated because when it catches a virus or when it has a virus, you can't do anything. You can't move into the destination where God has ordered you to move into because you're contaminated. You have a bug. You have a worm that needs to be out of you that you need to repent. And then it says, having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So what it's saying to you is this right here, that when you go out and preach the gospel, watch this. Folks, I'm telling you, I'm running from churches where there's nobody's getting saved. I'm running from churches where I don't see people getting delivered. I'm running for churches where I don't see the power of God working or moving. I'm running because, see, as a Christian, you're supposed to make a difference. You're supposed to make a difference when you pray and when you begin to speak and when you begin to fast. If you don't make a difference, let me just put it plain and simple for you. Something's wrong. Something's wrong in your walk in the light with God. Because in your walk in the light with God, the Bible says you'll be prepared to preach the gospel of priests. And that gospel will set you free. And that gospel will liberate you. And that gospel will bring healing to you. And that gospel will set you free again in Jesus' name. The gospel should make a difference in your life. If there's a difference in your life, check yourself before you wreck yourself. And then it says after that, it says, above all, take the what? Take the shield of faith. And it tells us to stand. The Bible tells us to get into our stand, our fighting stand. Now, here I am, and I got the shield of faith right here. I got the shield of faith right here. Then it says that the shield of faith is for what? It's to protect you against what? The fiery darts of who? of Satan, because Satan is like I told you, he's going to throw these fiery darts at you. He's going to throw them at you in 2020. But the Bible says, above all, take the shield of faith that you can block those fiery darts. Then it says, take what? The helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation protects your what? It protects your thoughts. You gotta be careful what you put in here. Again, once your software, you see, you're born in a blank slate of mind. 
And what you load onto your mind, right, that software loaded into your computer. And if you load a bug or a worm up in there, once again, when you get it in here, right, and that worm and that bug gets down to here, right, then you're ineffective. If there's no repentance while it's up here, you're ineffective. You cannot speak life. You cannot speak the word of God. You cannot. This and this has to be synchronized with the word of God. And there's power that flows through you. There's power that flows through you, church, in the name of Jesus. Then the last thing it says, it says, take what? What's the sword? Now, all of these things God is telling you to go out in 2020 to fight with. When you walk in the light and when you walk in the light, you take the sword of the spirit and it's a what kind of weapon? It's a double edged sword. It's also an offensive and a defensive weapon. What happened when Satan came at Jesus Christ after he had fasted and he said, turn these stones into bread? He said, man shall not what? Man shall not live by bread alone, but what? Amen. About every word, the word of God, in the name of Jesus. So what I'm saying to you, then he said this right here in the, in the chapter. He said, he said this right here, praying what? Always in supplications and in the spirit. And what I'm trying to tell you, church, these are your war. This is your, these are your weapons of warfare. Now let's line the scriptures up. Hold it, hold it right there. Hold that thought. Let's line the scriptures up. Let's confirm what that just said. I like the confirmation. 2 Corinthians 10 and 4 says what? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. What does carnal mean? That means flesh. They're not of this world. So, again, we're fighting a spiritual battle. So the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through whom? Through God to the pulling down of strongholds. To the pulling down of strongholds. So if the weapons of our welfare are not carnal, but mighty through God for the, to the pulling down of strongholds and every thought that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. And casting down these things. When you walk in, in this light, church, what I'm trying to say to you, you need to be effective. When you're walking in the light, church, you need to make a difference, church. And I'm saying that if you look in the book of John, in the book of John, 8th chapter, 12th verse. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying. Jesus spoke to them, and he said, I am the light of the world. And he said, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. And then he went on to say, but yet, he says, but you are the light of the light. And then if you were to go down, right, and what I'm trying to tell you all is that this isn't the physical light. This is the parallel that God wants us to see. You're not that physical light that they had to follow, but that spiritual, that internal light. And then if you were to look in the book of John, first chapter, verse 4 and 5, you'll find this here. And in him was life and the life of all men. In the light of all men. And then it goes on to say that this light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And I'm trying to tell you tonight, church, that when you walk in the light, you can't expect people to comprehend. You got to learn to, 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 to be solo. You got to learn to set yourself aside. You got to learn to set yourself apart from other people. Because you were called to be holy. So when you walk in the light, understand this right here. This is the part I like. In the book of Matthew, 5th chapter, 14 through 16th verse. This is where I say Jesus is talking to us. Listen to what he's saying. Listen to what he's saying, church, to you. He says, you are the light. Matthew, 5th chapter, 14 through 16th verse. He said, you are the light. You are the light of the world. He goes on to say, and a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. 
Neither do men put a candle under a bush, but they put it on a candlestick. And then he went on to say, give it light into that entire house. And then he went on to say, let your light so shine, so shine before men that they may see your good work, that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. So tonight, church, listen to what I'm saying. When I was home with my mother for a couple of months, and I was in the neighborhood, and it began to bring back memories. And when I was in the neighborhood, there was ladies of the night, and there was ladies of the day. And they was exchanging their bodies. All around me was drunks. All around me was prostitutes. All around me was gambling. All around me is what they call a soup kitchen, where, they, where people come that don't have food, and they put all of these kitchens, seems to be in the poor neighborhoods, and it attracts all kinds of people. And all around me, too, my parents live in the back of the projects. And I began to take a look at what was going on. And when I took a, look at, take, took a look at what was going on, I had a chance to visit the hospital while my mother was in the hospital. And I, I heard people crying out. They didn't have nobody to visit them. I went to the elderly home. Uh, they were crying out. They were saying, take me home, take me home. Nobody had come to see them. Nobody had come to comfort them. Nobody had did anything for them. I didn't even know them. And they were saying, take me home, take me with you. And it touched my heart. And one night as I was going out and my wife wasn't with me, I had to get away. And I said I was going to go to the track. I just felt like I had to get away. And there was a lady of the night, and she winked at me as I was getting into the vehicle. And when she winked at me, I became so angry. I was so angry at her. And I just bypassed it and went on to the track. And there was a man that knocked on the door of my mother's house around 12 o'clock at night. And my parents are almost 80 years old. And he was on drugs. And I answered the door. And he said, I want to get an attorney. And I told the man, wait right here. Wait right here. Let me go get my gun. And as I approached the door again, he walked off and I began to call the cops. But God touched me. And when he touched me, I have to be honest with myself. When I got so angry at that young lady for propositioning me, I felt as though that I was in the wrong spirit. And what I mean is that I felt as though God was saying that you don't know what condition you don't know what condition she come from, where she come from. Instead of taking that wrong attitude that you had, you need to pray for her. And in order of taking that wrong attitude, I was so angry at night because they were throwing paper in the side in my, my mother's yard. They were talking at 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning. I couldn't sleep, and I had an attitude. And it was the wrong attitude. And God was telling me, Brother Foster, stop, time out. I need you to get a grip. I need you to start praying for these people. Because, see, I have some shortcomings. I have some shortcomings. There's times where I have to ask God to forgive me. There's times where I'm on my job, or I don't curse or anything like that. But I'll tell them something, and i let them know where I stand at. And I was like, oh, God, I shouldn't have said that. It wasn't a curse word, but I'm, I'm confessing before you because there's some shortcomings in my life. There's some things that I'm not proud of. And so what God had put in my heart is what I want to share with you. I come before you today that I have to repent. I have to ask God. God, in 2020, help me to walk in the light. Help me to stay in your light. Forgive me, God, because I know as a minister that when I take this pulpit, I need to have the right with you. And so when I begin to say some things to the one young man, there was another cousin of mine that called me, and he called me out of the blue. Now, I want to. this is how God works. 
when he called me out of the blue, I didn't know what he wanted. And the first thing he said, what did you do? And I began to tell him. And then he began to tell me, you know that you're a minister? He said, you know that you're a man of God? He said that you now he's ministering to me and he don't even go to church. But I'm listening because I know it's of God because he called me out the blue and he started telling me, you can't do that. You can't act like that. He began to tell me those things. I began to listen to him. And then I went back the next day and I seen that young man. And he said to me, you know what? What you said to me, it got to me. and I took it home. And God said, I need you to apologize to him right now in front of everybody. And as I apologized to him, I repented. And I said, God, forgive me. And what I'm saying to you, church, is this right here. In order to be effective in 2020, you're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to love your enemies. You're going to have to pray for people that despitefully use you, that hate you and stuff. Uh, Uncle John and Sister Susie, who you haven't talked to before, in order to get it right with God and walk in the light, you're going to have to forgive. Today, I want to just invite, you can come. You can come, pianist, organist, brother, you can come. In order to get it right with God in 2020, to start this new year off right, I want you to be honest with God tonight. I want you to be honest with God before we take any step, any further step. I know, I, 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 I know that we had uh, uh, the, the, the bread. I know that we had the, 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 the juice and stuff. I, I know that we took communion. But before we go any further in 2020, I want you to be honest with yourself tonight. And I want you to say, God, here I am. I want to invite you to the altar. I want you to say, God, here I am. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my shortcomings tonight, God. Wash me clean tonight, God, in the name of Jesus. I need your touch tonight, God. Lord, I need your touch tonight, God. I ask, Father God, that you cleanse me, God. Cleanse my mind and my heart, God. Lord, that there's no sin, God, as I walk in 2020, God. Purge me tonight, God, in the name of Jesus. I want to open up the altars right now in Jesus' name. I want you to search yourself tonight. And I want you to be honest with yourself tonight. Before you leave here tonight, I want you to be honest with yourself and honest with God tonight. Is there anything, God, in my walk that should be purged tonight? Is there anything, God, in my mind and my heart should be cleansed tonight, God, in the name of Jesus, God? I ask, God, that you remove, God, Jesus' name. Jesus, Lord, let him come, God. Let him come. You know the mind. You know the heart, God. Lord, you know, God. I pray, Father, let there be freedom, God, in the name of Jesus. Oh, in the name of Jesus, God. Holy Spirit, have your way. 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 Have your way tonight, God. But I surrender my will. I surrender my way, God. Here I am. I stand before you. To 